This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, guys, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. I have another subscriber question today. She says that she has a lot of friends that are single women that want to get married and have kids, but they continually find themselves disappointed in love because the men that they want don't want them, and the men that do want them, they're not attracted to. And I verified if she's sure that these women want kids and families and to be in a relationship. And she said, yeah, they do. And they say that they do, but then it seems like they can never find anybody where the, you know, where they like the person as much as the person likes them. And this is actually kind of a common problem. And it usually, um, these end up being the women that some of their friends are like, oh my God, you're so picky. And this is an interesting topic, right? Because, of course, you want to be selective with your life partner. But if all of your friends are saying that you're too picky, there's probably like a reason for that. And it's because you're really not very open-minded. That is, um, okay, so there's five personality traits, key personality traits, according to the Big Five model. So the acronym is OCEAN. Openness, conscientiousness, it's really openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And there's research on which of these lead to happy relationships. And openness to experience is not surprisingly something that does. And of course, neuroticism is something that doesn't. Um, Neuroticism means more depressive, anxiety, symptoms. That's what used to be called neurotic in the day of Woody Allen, right? So um, what these likely these women, and of course, there are many men like this too, because I get men also that say, I only want the women that don't want me. They don't phrase it quite so neatly for me to immediately engage in, oh shit, I wonder what happened in your family of origin that you would self-sabotage in this way. But don't worry, we get there within the first few sessions. But think about it. If you only want people that don't want you, you are not, first of all, there's something going on there with self-sabotage. And second of all, you are being very close-minded likely about all the people that like you. Because I don't buy that there is zero chemistry with any of the men that these women don't want to date. I mean, there's a lot of men in the world, right? And I just do not buy it. Statistically, doesn't make sense to me because I've seen it so much in practice that they do have chemistry with some of these guys. They are attracted to some of them, but guess what they don't have? Maybe they don't have the six-figure job. Maybe they aren't over six feet tall. Maybe they do not have a huge penis. I have literally um, had people who say that this is a problem and that is real. That's something that some people are going for, just like men are looking for certain body types, right? Um, Maybe they have a guy that does not, didn't graduate from an Ivy League school or didn't even go to college or whatever, but with whom they do have chemistry and with whom they may be very deeply compatible. So if this is the case, then this requires a really deep dive into why you can be judgmental and intolerant. 
So if there are men that you have felt chemistry with that you think are nice guys. Now, if there's no chemistry, by the way, no go. Definitely no go if there's zero chemistry. But have seeing multiple women that have never, women in their 30s, she says, that have never been attracted to a nice, kind man that then they can have a relationship with speaks to one of two things. So either it is this being overly uh, close-minded or in another case, it can be an imago theory sort of thing. And I could talk about imago theory in a podcast, but imago theory basically means that you are going for um, somebody like your caregiver. So what does this mean in terms of this situation? It means if your caregiver never responded to you well and gave you the attention and approval that you need, then you're always going to only be attracted to men who don't really like you that much. So this is a sad state of events. So it can be one of two things or both. A, you are closed-minded to different sorts of men than you may have picked out in your mind in a fairy tale of what your marriage is supposed to look like, which we're going to explore. Or you're literally only attracted to men who don't like you. Like it could be the same man, same resume. And if he likes you, you're not going to be into him. And if he doesn't, you're going to be into him. So these can be different or they can overlap each other. But these are the two main reasons that I see. So if we start with the first one, why would somebody be overly selective in this way? Frequently, there are some narcissistic traits where somebody is really, really image conscious. So they can be attracted to a guy, but if that guy is not going to make more than all of her friend's husbands, and he's not going to um, be able to impress her parents with all of these stories about his travels abroad, and he's not going to be worldly and well-dressed and uh, funnier than a comedian and smarter than a professor, then it's not going to happen. Another reason that people can be selective that isn't about narcissistic traits is about kind of the what the media feeds you. You know, I mean, it used to be bad enough that there were romantic movies and that there were romantic novels, but now everybody's on social media too. And there's all these like relationship goals and like cute little couple videos everywhere. And people aren't obviously posting the bad parts unless it's the cute bad part. So I feel that it seems even kind of uh, more possible than ever to lead this fairy tale life where you are with your um, complete soulmate. And in these situations, they don't even really have the nuance of a movie or a book. They are really just a snapshot in time where everything looks completely perfect between this couple. So it feeds this idea that that is possible to get somebody with whom you're compatible in like a like every single domain. Like I'm big on compatibility. I've had podcasts about compatibility, but there's nobody that you are going to be compatible with on every single big and small variable. Now, another reason that people can be so selective is because people are marrying later and later. So this is good and bad, you know? I mean, you know yourself better. And that's good. But also you've had all this time to be on your own and to make your life exactly what you want it. If you're just like 22 and you're coming out of college and you're getting married, you don't really have uh, preferences for 
for like what your life looks like day to day as an adult because you haven't started it yet. But if you are 32 and you've been on your own for 10 years, then you are really firmly entrenched in what you like to do, your hobbies, your friends, this, that, and the other. And you have now so many more variables that you want to match on. So this increased age at which people marry is allowing or or really is causing them to be more selective on an array of variables because there are so many more uh, things that you already have incorporated into your adult life. Now, also, I mean, there are other factors, including when people have difficult upbringings. So there are multiple ways that having a difficult upbringing can influence your desire to kind of make your life completely perfect. The first one is if you saw very unhappy parents, you know, and unhappy parents, then you, you want to not do that. You want to show that you can have a loving, happy fairy tale marriage because you didn't see one. So this can lead to people being very, very selective, um, and they, they want to have in their own life what they never had growing up and they want to give that to their kids, right? And the other way that having a difficult upbringing can make you um, overly selective is in the self-sabotage way that I talked about before. So you can have a difficult upbringing that you're seeing your parents uh, being incompatible and you never want that and that can make you really selective also, you can see like a very difficult relationship between your parents in which one is always pursuing the other and the other does not want them and is always rejecting them. And or you can have this relationship with a parent yourself that you're always trying to get their attention and they are never really there for you and they never want to engage or to be close in the way that you do. So if you see either this dynamic or more commonly if you have this dynamic with a parent where they are always um, kind of evading your bids for closeness, then this is where we loop back to Imago theory, which says that when you're in an adult intimate relationship, you're really trying to find somebody subconsciously similar to your caregiver and change them in ways that you couldn't change your caregiver. So these are women who pursue only men that are not into them because they have what the media, you know, popularly calls daddy issues, but it could also be mommy issues, a parent who wasn't there for you. So this is a familiar dynamic when you are with a pair when you grow up and you have a parent you're always trying to follow them around and be close and they never want to be close to you well guess what or rarely want to be close to you or sometimes do and sometimes don't so either of the insecure styles really but mostly preoccupied attachment where sometimes they'll be with you and sometimes they won't um this can lead to falling for emotionally unavailable partners, partners who sometimes seem to like you, but never really fully enough. People where they're always running away and you're always running after them. We call this a pursuer distancer relationship. And I could link to that in my, um, in my description. I've written, I wrote in my book, 40, uh, 42, 52 emails to 
Transform Your Marriage, which is a DIY couples counseling book via email that you should pick up. I could link to that too, to do with your partner. But anyhow, what I, I have one email about pursuers and distancers. And a pursuer is the preoccupied attachment partner that's always trying to be close. And a distancer is the avoidant attachment partner that's always trying to not be close, to be the opposite, to be overly independent and to push away. So really some of these women and you know the reader the listener asked about women but it's the same thing with men whenever people go primarily for people who don't like them then yes sometimes they can be being overly selective but sometimes they're actually drawn to those people and I don't know it could also be a combination sometimes they're actually drawn to people who don't like them like the Groucho Marx quote you only want to be I only want to be part of a club that wouldn't have me for a member so they really are drawn to a prospective partner that specifically doesn't seem to like them very much and this is paralleling a relationship in their early life where they were always trying to get attention and failing now if you're always trying to get your parents attention and you get it Well, then that becomes familiar to you. And then you're somebody who says, oh, people are going to love me. People are going to think that I'm cute or delightful or funny or smart or whatever. So, you know, not that I have to tell today's hyper aware parents this, but don't ignore your kid. If you ignore your kid, they're only going to go for people who ignore them later on. Don't like constantly, you know, overparent them either. But I mean, really, I'm preaching to the choir. There's nobody who's listening to the Dr. Psych Mom show that is like, neglecting their child for days and days is probably not happening but if you're that person you know or if you're somebody who you know finds it very hard because of your own upbringing to be positive towards your child then you can motivate yourself to do so because recognize that they are going to use their relationship with you as a template for their later relationships. To a lesser extent they're going to look at the marriage that they saw but really they're going to Um, use your relationship with them, that's what really evokes the feelings. So if there's a feeling of acceptance and love, they will go for people who accept and love them. If there's a feeling of coldness, rejection, or ambivalence, then that's what will become familiar to them in later life. So there are all sorts of reasons that people are overly selective and constantly say that nobody that they're attracted to is who's attracted to them. And of course, Occam's razor, the simplest explanation is that some of these people may not really want to be in a relationship. You know, I mean, it is fun to be single for many people and for more emotionally avoidant people, they know the right thing to say is that they want to be in a relationship. But when somebody gets too close to them, they feel smothered. They feel intruded upon. They, they don't like to change their schedule. They don't like to change their routines. And so a lot of more emotionally avoidant partners. Now, remember, I talked to you about attachment and the way to make an emotionally avoidant person is the parent who's kind of always tells them, go play, go play, and never really gives them the hugs, cuddles, comfort, and attention. And if somebody is emotionally avoidant because they grew up in this kind of a home, they're really independent to a fault. And while they may say and even think that, you know, because society tells them to want to get married that they do, they may not really want to. They may not really want that vulnerability uh, with another person. And that really brings me to the point of vulnerability. 
if you're somebody that is in this situation and you can't find a partner no matter what, and you listen to my points, some of them may make sense to you, some of them may not resonate with you. If you want to get people to like you more and you want to be more attractive to the opposite or same sex, whatever, vulnerability is the major attractive variable. I mean, it is nothing, you can't change if somebody's attracted to you physically or not. But if you're in a situation where men are attracted to you physically, but then things kind of fizzle out after a couple dates and you don't know why, frequently it's because you're not being real. You're not letting them in. And while this may sound like some answer from like the bachelorette, it's true. People want somebody who is honest and real and vulnerable. Somebody who has emotions, you know? I mean, people want to connect with another human being. So if you have your guard up, and you know if this is you, if you have your guard up and you really just kind of, you know, talk about small talk and you have your package story about your upbringing and you don't really get too deep and, you know, you got like a lot of boundaries, maybe too many, and you just kind of don't really open up and feel during your dates with people, then this will resonate with you. And therapy can be super useful in helping people break down these walls because that is what you do in therapy. You figure out the narrative of your life, what makes sense, how you became who you are, and you feel feelings both in session and about the topics that you're discussing. You know, so this can really help you if you know inherently that it's not that you're unattractive to people, they seem to like you at first, you get asked out, but then it just doesn't go anywhere after the first few dates. This is frequently because there's a lack of vulnerability that the other person perceives. They like can't get in. They, they want to be close, but they can't get in. And if this describes what anybody has ever said about you, then listen, because you can work on this. This is something therapy's super good at. It's helping people grow more open and vulnerable so that when other people interact with you in a romantic sense, they feel like there's a person there and not like a persona, you know, and not like you're being your work self. And this is the same in bed, out of bed. I mean, you know when you have a guard up, you don't really let somebody in, whether it's physically, emotionally, and usually both. There are lots of hard stops, lots of boundaries, lots of um, kind of uh, taking your time to get to know someone, which is all well and good. But like if that goes on forever and ever, and only rarely do you feel like you make any sort of progress and closeness on a date, like the first date feels kind of like the third date, feels kind of like the sixth date, etc. then this is something that you can really work on. And it's likely rooted in a family of origin where emotions were not really discussed and vulnerability was not modeled. People kind of just stuck to the protocol. There was one way to think about things. People didn't really share their emotions, except if it was anger. And not always, but usually in places where emotions are not shared, sometimes anger still gets shared. Um, but in some houses, nothing's really shared. Just kind of, you know, pleasant and not getting too deep. If this is you, then it may be hard for you to connect on a deeper level when people really want to do that. So anyway, uh, listener, subscriber, I hope that I answered your question and gave you something to think about, about why people 
end up in these situations where they say they want to get married, but somehow it just never works out with anybody ever. And if this describes you, listeners, if you're in your first uh, go around on the dating market or your second, as many of my listeners are, then think about it deeply and really try to take to heart my comments about self-work in counseling. Uh, Thanks so much, guys. Please subscribe to my podcast every time you pay for a subscription and Angel gets its wings and I get $5.99. And thank you so much and I will talk to everybody soon.